What are cryptocurrencies? What are NFTs? Time to buy Bitcoin. Buy and hold. Time to sell to whales. Decentralized finance, smart contract, white paper. Well, then buy it. Well, then sell it. I don't know. Where crypto is changing money, decentralized finance is disrupting finance as we know it. DeFi's potential is enormous. This emerging ecosystem caught the attention of entrepreneurs, policymakers, and of course, investors. While we're still in its early days, DeFi has wonderful promises set to change the future of finance. In 2020, DeFi growth took the world by storm, growing by triple digits, and it has already more than doubled in 2021. In this vibrant context, Aave stood out and became the largest lending protocol with more than 11 billions with a B dollars in total value dot. So let's face it, DeFi is too big to ignore and this is just the beginning. What's Aave? Why is it so successful? And how will DeFi impact the future? Big questions that demand big answers. From Paris, this is your host Moel Said, and you're listening to On The Ledger. I'm very pleased because today is a special episode. We have Stani Koloshov, founder and CEO of Aave. Stani is an impressive entrepreneur and DeFi pioneer. He blended his law background and his interest in finance to experiment with DeFi, first by founding Ethland, a decentralized lending platform, which then became Ave, the leading DeFi protocol. We'll be joined by our one and only Fabriz Dotria, head of coin integration at Ledger. Fabriz is the man responsible for integrating a variety of projects within the Ledger ecosystem, coin, app, dApps, you name it. On the Ledger, episode 9, Ave and the crypto economy, here we go! Stani, Fabrice, welcome to On The Ledger. I'm very pleased to have you both here today. How are you doing, gentlemen? Very good. Thank you so much, Moxen, for having me here. Yeah, great. Thank you uh, for inviting me as well again. I'm actually quite excited about this one, as we'll have something to announce in the middle of the episode, so stay tuned. Uh, let me start with what we call our not-so-stupid questions. Stani, I'm sure you've answered this question before, but what does Ave mean? Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it has actually like a meaning in terms of like... Uh, uh, there's like a real meaning and then there's like a meaning that we have like kind of like in the uh i would say like like pseudo meaning of of ave so what what ave actually means is is it's a uh uh ghosts in 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 finnish language and and the reason we we picked uh the name uh back in the days is that uh as to some people who actually know more context about the, the, the history of decentralized finance and, and uh, a bit on, on what's been happening with Ethereum. Uh, we used to have a project called uh, ETHLAND, short for Ethereum Lending, uh, a few years ago and rebranded to Aave. And Aave means ghost. And the idea behind that uh, is that as a team, we kind of, uh, uh, the Aave Genesis team, when we deploy protocols, we kind of like step back from actually uh, the protocol ops and, and, and pretty much like do not actually over a period of time uh, control what happens and how the protocol is updated. Instead, uh, the whole governance becomes uh, uh, governed by the, the users and, and the community of Aave, which means the team becomes a bit of like a ghost. And also the users itself and the community are a bit of ghost because the protocol runs, runs autonomously. So that's the kind of meaning and pseudo meaning behind of Aave. That's pretty <laughs> interesting. I know I knew about the first one, but I didn't know the second one. So thank you for the explanation. So to those <laughs> of you who don't, who don't know, actually, Stani, you have a background in law and you were essentially building fintech applications before exploring the world of DeFi. 
It's actually an interesting blend yeah. of disciplines that is at the core of what DeFi is all about. And my understanding is what ignited the creation of DeFi and also your subsequent move was essentially the invention of smart contracts. Could you maybe explain to our listeners what smart contracts are all about and how they differ from traditional contracts? And maybe elaborate also on the reasoning behind your move to DeFi. Yeah, I mean, smart contract essentially is just a piece of code uh, that runs the same, the same piece of code that you create on servers and run on a uh, centralized server, let's say in uh, Amazon or Google servers, whatever service provider you're using and creating applications. But what's, what, how smart contracts as, as a piece of code and software differentiates is that the same exact copy of the code is uh, copied across the nodes of the network. So let's say we have uh, the Ethereum network and you have nodes running the network, uh, the validators. So that piece of code is actually copied amongst the, the, the whole network, meaning that if you change, if one validator changes the code uh, uh, even a bit, uh, it means that you still have the other copies of that code, essentially meaning that uh, you have a system where uh, you can cannot arbitrarily change the code. And that's what makes the, the smart contracts smarts. And also you can do executions on piece of that logic. And that's, that's essentially was what brought me into the space because pretty much you could create this uh, execution and compared to different, what different from legal agreements and legal contracts is that legal contracts are paper in the sense that if you actually want execution, the, 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 the contractual parties, they need to agree upon things and they need to respect each other. Uh, but, and if you have a dispute, you go to court, but smart contracts, they rely on self-execution, meaning that when you call a function, the code executes exactly how it's programmed. So that's the kind of like a differentiator there. Got it. And let me try and build on that with another question. Fabrice, we often say that DeFi is trustless. Um, how come? And, and for you, what are the main differences that you see with traditional finance? I know Stani covered a little bit of it, but I'm sure you have more to say. So. Uh, I would say that Stani covered it quite well already, but okay, in the real world, uh, when you have a contract with, between parties, uh, indeed, it's paper and you have somehow trust involved uh, in the sense that if someone is, is breaking the rules, um, you know, you have judges and you have a lot of people, uh, trusted people that have authorities that can come in and, and just help solve the case. Um, here, we, we say the it's trustless um, because indeed code is low. Uh, so you don't have judges. The code will, will execute as it was programmed to do. Doesn't mean that it's uh, perfectly safe uh, because it, it might be, you know, it might contain bug. It's not uh, always perfect, but uh, you don't need to have trust in someone to execute it for you or to solve any, any dispute that you may face because essentially everything is public. Uh, everything is visible on chain and everything will uh, self-execute. So that's why we say it's trustless. Okay, that's that's pretty clear. So since we have both of you here today, it might be the perfect time to announce that Ave will now be available on Ledger Live. Ledger users will be able to access a wide variety of lending and borrowing services through Ave from within the security of their hardware wallet. It's a big news for you, Fabrice. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I, I think... Uh... Uh, having a, a protocol like Aave uh, integrated natively in Ledger Live uh, will offer our users many, many possibilities. Um, 
So Aave is offering you a, a bunch of services, decentralized services to uh, ensure generate yield or participate in the DeFi ecosystem. Um, and what we wanted to do by having Aave integrated natively within Ledger Live was really offering you ease of use and security all in one place. Uh, so I'm very, I'm very proud uh, and excited also to, to see it uh, comes to fruition. So Stani, Ave has recently been witnessing an impressive growth, to say the least, almost 10xing its TVL in a year. So to those of you who don't know what total value locked is, and correct me if I'm mistaken, Stani, of course, it's the total amount of value operating within the protocol. It's also used as a metric to measure success and trust in the protocol. What's the secret behind that? Yeah, first of all, I'm very excited about the the, the Ave integration, especially kind of like a ledger's uh like uh, focus and 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 I mean highlighting the DeFi as an ecosystem that's that's super fascinating. Especially like for me who uses actually Ledger every day on every single DeFi protocol that I interact one way or another. So th this makes everything more easier for me and 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 rest of the space. So that's that's amazing. And TVL itself is just a metric kind of like to show like how much of uh, value those protocols are actually holding upon at the, at the current moment, uh, which is an interesting metric because it's not necessarily like assets under management, but just like how much these protocols are holding uh, value as a collateral assets or some other uh, way, mostly in, in collateral. And this means that let's say the higher the TVL is, the more the users are kind of like a trusting the protocol or more capital is aggregated. So either it's super efficient and and people are interacting with that protocol particularly, let's say for example, Aave, uh, or it's considered safe uh, safe enough that it attracts more capital. And Aave at this current point is the uh, biggest uh, DeFi protocol out there. So there's over 10 billion uh, worth of value just locked in the smart contract according to uh, DeFiPulse.com. So that's like just an example like, uh, how like the value of decentralized finance uh, is measured. And DeFi itself is com quite small compared to traditional finance. I mean, it's a uh, market consisting now total value of 55 billion and, and back in uh, May, it was around uh, 90 billion. So that just resonates like how, where we are in the current state of DeFi and, and how much there's actually growth potential. Of course. Could you maybe talk to us as well about uh, your governance model and how that actually uh, enables DeFi to, to function, but specifically Aave in a more decentralized fashion? Decentralized governance is probably one of the best uh, use cases of blockchain, especially kind of like it shows how you could actually get uh, plenty of people across globally to vote on some, some particular topics uh, cryptographically securely. And that's very fascinating. And this is the way that most of these DeFi protocols are governed. For example, the Aave governance, what it means as it's decentralized, is it means that the 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 the, the team that originally built the protocol uh, can't can't anymore ch make arbitrarily changes to that protocol itself. Instead, what happens is that you need to go to this uh, official governance process. So you need to create a proposal into the governance, have enough threshold or both delegations. You can actually, you don't need the Aave tokens to actually create proposals. You can get delegation. And when you get enough uh, vote delegations, you can create, create a uh, proposal. For example, if you want to change the protocol or suggest something, 
uh, and then the token holders, so the community is voting on that proposal. And that's very uh, fascinating because that means that uh, the team itself can't just change anything. It has to have this formality and this brings the security to the protocol itself. It's very fascinating. Yeah, it, it kind of crystallizes the ghost analogy that we mentioned in the beginning of the episode. Um, exactly. Fabrice, we spoke about trust earlier. Today, one of the main frictions with regards to mass adoption is trust in the DeFi space. And of course, the technology itself. We have a lot of scams, rock pulls and hacks. How do you see this evolving? And do you think such partnership could be a beginning of, of uh, you know, solving some and easing some of these frictions? Uh, yes, I, I think it's, um, you know, by, by adding famous uh, partners uh, like Avi, um, and when I say famous, I, I want to say, you know, teams that have been in the space for a long time that uh, have experienced a lot of stress and, and errors, but then, you know, they improved and now the protocol is very, very stable. Um, it's, it, it, for us, having this kind of partner, it's, it's giving it, um, giving the option to our users to, to somehow trust um, these protocols. So nothing uh, will ever be perfect. Uh, always, uh, we can always improve. But by having it in a in a single place where security is ensured by your hardware wallet, uh, where the UI and UX is already greatly improved, I think um, compared to two years ago, um, I think these kind of partnerships will help uh, newcomers in the crypto space um, try these features. It doesn't mean that there won't be, you know, rock pulls and scams in the future. They will still be there. But um, if if we can just make people confident enough to try these protocols, um, I believe that in the long term, um, it will be a, a bit safer for everyone. But still, I mean, you have to you have to still learn and experience a bit more um, the intricacy of DeFi. Um, in the long term, I think by having these kind of par partnerships with many uh, people in the in the DeFi industry, uh, I hope we will see them compete against each other and improve uh, even more their UX and make it easier for, for many people to join. Right now, let's be honest, it's still a bit of an expert field. Uh, but in the future, uh, you know, it could be just a one-click button. Uh, put your money here and somehow something happens and you generate yields behind the scene you may be participating in liquidity pools and 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 lending your assets it, it may be a bit complex um and you don't have to show everything to the end user uh, but in the future i hope some teams will make it happen maybe ave will still continue to improve their ux i hope they will uh and and you know it's it's just about uh giving them time uh so yes partnerships are are, are the first step i think and in the long run, uh, we'll uh, definitely see what the, what comes out of it. Got it. Stani, what's your take on DeFi's mass adoption and, and trust in the DeFi ecosystem? How, how do you see this evolving in the future? Do you think DeFi could compete with banks and traditional finance in general, of course? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, it's a quite interesting positioning now because essentially I see decentralized finance and, and blockchain more as a software. Of course, there's like the governance functionalities and it's it's actually even more like a movement. But as a software industry, when we look at how things are uh, going to replace uh, technologies, let's say uh, decentralized finance, 
particularly. So let's say we have currently a financial uh, infrastructure that is based on decades of uh, legacy systems on top of legacy systems. And what makes DeFi very, very cool is that everything that you deploy into this uh, one network, for, for example, is interoperable with all the networks. Uh, I mean, all the the deployments, so all the smart contracts and applications that are built in, in the network, which creates this interoperability. And because there is the liquidity as well uh, in the network, it means that essentially DeFi is uh, a marketplace for uh, liquidity. So it's kind of like this big liquidity ocean uh, so every, uh, let's say, uh, ledger user who is interacting with these protocols are actually kind of like uh, part of that uh, ocean. And then there's developers building new algorithms that actually are all the time competing uh, against each other and the traditional financial system to be more efficient. So you have this constant uh, battle of algorithms, and then you have this liquidity that moves everywhere where the algorithms are more efficient, of course, secure enough. Uh, as well. And when you compare it to traditional finance, it seems that um, the reason there's so much innovation in DeFi is because of the openness of the networks that anyone can come and participate, but also build. So anyone can build new uh, products on top of uh, DeFi, and that creates a lot of uh, network effects and, and progress in terms of like uh, innovation. And I think essentially what will happen is that this kind of like a very, very efficient financial system would just uh, be big tech stack what we have in traditional finance. So all the Coinbase's of the world will just pretty much like be front ends and access points to decentralized finance and including fintechs. Okay, clear. Now that we spoke about the past and the present, it's time to explore the future. This is the Ledger forecast. Stani, I know that at Ave you've been developing institutional projects, specifically the newly announced Ave Pro. So congratulations again. Could you give us a quick overview of what you're implementing and maybe share with us your vision for the future? Yeah, Ave Pro is very, very interesting. So it's pretty much uh, the same Ave uh, protocol structure is deployed on the uh, main Ethereum network at the moment and and in the Polygon network. Uh, Kind of like the same same exact model, uh, almost is the into the main network, but uh, with a smaller change where you have this kind of like a whitelister functionality where you can actually, as a whitelister, uh, whitelist blacklist different kinds of addresses. So let's say if you have uh, depositors uh, that you want to have certain kind of requirements to enter into this this some sort of like a uh, I would say like a permission market or a uh, private pool, uh, you can create those kind of like a requirements. And also same for the, the borrowers and liquidators. Essentially what you can actually create is a another market that is separate from the liquidity that we have in the main of a market with additional requirements. So let's say if you have compliance requirements or requirements for the liquidity, let's say the sizes that people need to deposit, you can create that. Essentially what is happening with the Aave Pro uh market is is that uh, there's going to be this um liquidity gate for institutions to participate and that essentially is other pro so for institutions that have different kinds of requirements are able to participate and the whitelisters are pretty much 
kind of like creating those uh, white listings and the, the whitelister role is custodians. So custodians are whitelisting their own users uh, pretty much on the basis of the requirements, how you can participate in that uh, Aave Pro market. And essentially it's a way to get institutionals more comfortable on using uh, DeFi. You still have pretty much, even as a permission market, the transparent nature of decentralized finance because it's on public uh, Ethereum network and you have the, the transparency there and also the smart contract based ex execution. So it's very interesting value proposition for institutionals to join into DeFi. Definitely. Let me try and take a step back here. Why is this permission nature important for institutions? And also second questions that, that second question, sorry, that might be more important is why are institutions interested in DeFi? Yeah, I would say, I would say the growth, the, the fact that there's just so many people actually being interested in using DeFi and also the market growing to, I mean, now Aave has just 10 billion worth of uh, value locked in plus six, uh, 6 billion with the borrow market size. So in total, uh, 16, fluctuating from 16 to 21 billion, just one protocol just uh, resonates that kind of like a, what's the growth potential where a year ago, pretty much uh, the liquidity was in uh, million, tens of millions. So the growth has been very substantial. And because of the nature of this uh, efficiency, transparency, uh, you have a completely new kind of a uh, protocol offering where you can actually participate in market and move out of this paper-based uh, execution environment to smart contract-based execution environment. And for institutionals, what, what this means is that you can transact on a scale and not only transact on a scale, but you have actually a very much auditable environment of transactioning. And it's not just auditable by these market participants, the institutions that are participating into the market, but uh, you know, also anyone that is looking, either people who are creating risk products or they are interested in what's happening in the uh, in the institutional markets, they will see it. So it's substantial different scenario what we have, for example, in 2008, where there wasn't any visibility on, on what's, what's going on in financial markets and how exposed different counterparties are. And in terms of other protocol and using the public blockchain uh, is that you see everything. You see the amount of collaterals, what kind of collaterals there are, their fluctuations, uh, you can see how much there is borrowed capital as well. All these kind of things and really brings more transparency and more better and fair finance. And on an institutional level, it just uh, is more appealing than, let's say, less efficient paper uh, type of uh, kind of like a commercial transactioning. Yeah, I think this elements of composability and of course, uh, the, the, the whole aspect of complementing traditional finance before replacing it is, is very interesting. Fabrice, what is missing for full-scale adoption uh, from institutions, of course, talking about DeFi and, and, and security from your point of view? Um, maybe I will take, take just one minute to go back to what Stanny said earlier. Um, I, I tried to explain a bit that there was this competition between protocols, but he said it 
way better than I did. Uh, I was mostly focused on the on the UI and UX because from um, you know from a, an end user perspective, this is important. Um, but indeed, what happened during the the last uh, I would say two to three years was a, a strong competition on, on algorithm and, and you know really the protocol themselves, how they work, uh, how they handle the liquidity and everything. Um, and so now we reach the stage where it's mature enough for uh, institutions to come in. Now, this being said, uh, you know, institutions are not exactly the same as, uh, I would say, retail users, uh, you and I. Um, they have to have some governance model. Uh, if you are an edge funds or if you if you are uh, the CEO of a, of a family office, uh, you cannot just have your, your traders do things without any control. Uh, so I think one of the things that is um, still missing uh, and surely growing uh, in the industry is uh, our solutions basically to help these professionals um, to, to manage their asset in a secure way because Blockchain is not the same as traditional finance. And once you do an operation, it's done. And, and because it's trustless and decentralized, uh, basically it's done forever uh, and you cannot roll it back. So I, I think uh, one thing that is uh, definitely missing is, a, is an easy way for these institutions to, to manage their keys and their govern, governance framework uh, easily uh, to allow them to really you know, uh, handle all these different protocols, but in a secure way where they can have um, visibility on, on who does what and what their operators are doing. So we are building such solution at Ledger, but I, I'm sure other in the industry are doing so as well. And this to me is is the, uh, is the really the, the bottleneck right now. We don't have this, this, uh, this perfect solution. Uh, I would say Ledger has it, but uh, I, I don't want to promote it too much, but uh, you, you that's what we think is relevant. We are uh, really focused on building this uh, enterprise solution so that people can actually actually uh, have a real uh, framework to manage their asset in an institutional grade environment. So to me, this is what's what's blocking. Of course, the protocols themselves will still continue to evolve. Um, you know, recently we saw the the the, the Polygon network taking a, a lot of uh, of load and uh, and a lot of activity. So. Who knows? Maybe in the future, uh, Ethereum won't be the main one. Uh, I honestly don't know. So things will continue to evolve on the tech side. And on the institutional side, uh, we need proper solution uh, because these guys, they won't you know, just create their transactions on a laptop and do things the old way. They need to have um, built-in uh, secure and robust tools uh, that will be perfect for, for their kind of needs. Definitely. The future is exciting. For sure. So now is the time for our last segment of the show. This is a tip for Crypto First Grader. Let me throw out this one to both of you and feel free to go first. What tips would you give to someone who's just starting to experiment with lending and borrowing through DeFi on Aave or elsewhere? Well, I, I guess like for me, what's important, especially when I kind of like engage with protocols is that uh, try to learn as much as possible as you can like it's it's really is about the education um because finance is very fascinating i definitely understand that you know you don't need to understand everything about finance to participate but just like when you look at decentralized finance and how it works there there's isn't just about like the protocols itself that are bringing yield but how they operate for example when you look at the other protocol, there is the protocol layer where you can get yields and you can borrow against the different collaterals. But also there's the 
uh, ability to participate in governance uh, and actually have a say in how these protocols, which might cover globally like large surface of, of uh, users could actually be changed in the future and have a say in that. And also like there's another layer in you know, the Aave protocol where you can stake Aave and, and at the same time kind of like carry the risk of the protocol as a decision maker when you are voting those risk parameter or parameters or changes into the protocol. So I guess like the educational part is very substantial and I definitely like urge to kind of like doing more research on, on how these things work and why they're important actually for the future. Why, why decentralized finance is not just like uh, future of France, that's the mean we, we have in the uh, community when we're talking about like future of finance, but also like in more wider impact. So definitely education is, is the most important thing for me. Definitely. And that actually made me think of another question I wanted to ask you, but I kind of forgot. So I'll ask it now. Um, talking about over-collateralization and, and also the risks associated with uh, liquidations, how do you see this evolving? Because, you know, over-collateralization represents a certain barrier for entry for people who want to use DeFi services but don't necessarily have the means to do it right away, you know, owning just some cryptocurrencies to use as collateral. Do we see us evolving to something close to the credit score or just another way of obtaining, you know, funds without necessarily having uh, capital? Yeah, the way I see it is like when it comes to actually like like traveling liquidity out of the protocol or any kind of like financial borrowing is that uh, there's always some sort of a collateral. Like even if it's not a cryptographic asset, let's say it might be, for example, putting your name or reputation as a collateral that let's say you in the future time, you you, you pretty much uh, repay your loan. So that's the kind of like a thing. So what we haven't reached in DeFi in the state yet is where you don't have to use liquid collaterals, but you could use any other kind of like a non-fungible collateral, which could be like your some sort of like a uh, on-chain blockchain-based uh, reputation system. Mm -hmm. And the cool part in protocol level, the Aave protocol has this credit delegation feature, which means that when you deposit into the Aave protocol and you're earning yield, you can actually delegate the poor borrowing power that you get from that deposit to someone else, which means that uh, developers can actually build this kind of products in the future where uh, you have under collateralized loans, or you can use that feature just to delegate the borrowing power to your friend and uh, who needs liquidity but doesn't have a cryptographic collateral. So I think that will be the next step where uh, DeFi will he head towards. Got it. Thanks a lot, Stani. Uh, Fabais, could you give us your tip for crypto first grade? Um. Stani said it all. I, I think research is the uh, is the first thing, and uh, so I, I won't take uh, five minutes to say exactly the same thing as it did. But maybe after research, what you should do is try uh, try it, but just you know with a little bit of money, not not a lot. Don't try with all your you know your your savings at first. Um, just you know just take a, a a few bucks and try it because by experiencing it you will definitely understand what it means uh you know reading about this and watching a youtube tutorial it's great um but you have to try uh and, and once you see it in action in the end it will make sense uh it's it, it's this kind of new technology where you need to try to really understand how it works and what it can bring you so yeah my advice would be just try it well that's the perfect way to end it thanks a lot gentlemen I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate chatting with you both. Uh, Stani, I hope we can have you again on the show soon. 
Um, thanks a lot again, and I hope uh, I hope we can get to talk again sometime soon. Totally, it was amazing, amazing to be here. Uh, and if people want to know more about Ave, you can follow us on uh, Twitter. It's uh, at Ave Ave. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Mohsen and Fabrice. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Stani, for being here. It was great. That's it. That was Stani Kolashov and Fabrice Dotria, both key contributors to the crypto world. I hope you were able to learn more about DeFi, its potential to disrupt finance as we know it, and how it might shape the future of our economies. If you want to dive deeper, you can read Ledger Academy, watch School of Block, and feel free to subscribe to this podcast, because there is much, much more to come. Brought to you by Ledger, directed and edited by Theo Wiesman, this was On The Ledger, from Paris. Take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only, and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, tax advice, or more generally, any type of advice. Ledger will not be responsible for the consequences of reliance upon any opinion or statement contained in this podcast or any omission. Crypto assets are volatile, you should be fully aware of the level of risk involved before engaging in any crypto-related activities, and you should consult your own advisors as to those matters. References to any securities or digital assets are for illustrative purposes only, and do not constitute an investment recommendation or offer to provide investment advisory services. Please note that any loss of data crypto assets, or profit is your sole responsibility.